Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello, and welcome to Transporter Lock. I am Captain Sabriel Maston, and yeah, it's me doing the intro this week because Ken is, he left on a shuttlecraft to go to a conference back on Earth earlier this week, and so we all know that means uh, en route, he's been captured by Romulans, and will have to work his way home. Mm -hmm. Good luck, Ken. (laughs) Good luck, Ken, and that voice that you hear with me, I am joined once again by Vice Admiral Charlene Schmidt. Welcome to the show, Charlene. Char. Hello. Thank you for having me back. I've never called you Charlene in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Most people do call me Char. It's fine. (laughs) It's the same thing. (laughs) Well, yes. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, Yeah. So today uh, we are here to talk about Star Trek Card Mercy. However, I think there was a little bit of Star Trek news. I just remembered as I was talking, we got some new clips of the cast from Strange New Worlds just talking about their characters this week. Oh, yeah. Have you seen all of those? I only saw the Uhura one. Okay, I saw that, and I saw, like, some more generic clips. Just, yeah, yeah. like, Spock walking out, and there's stuff in the background. It's really pretty, but it doesn't really add anything to the conversation. But, yeah, it looks like we are going to be getting probably more of these leading awesome. up to the series premiere. Strange New Worlds, uh, yes, please. Uh, they are really promoting the heck out of this. They are, aren't they? Yeah. And like, wow, we learned a crew's name before we even start the show. <laughs> well, that's so weird, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Like, Discovery, we're four seasons in. I'm like, I think I can name half of them. Uh, yeah. Like, you have to look them up every other time you mention their name. Right? Uh, yeah, it's really sad. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're finally learning them. I've learned Saru's name now. So, hey. Uh, hey. <laughs> that's something. <laughs> but uh okay mercy star trek picard we are in episode eight of ten already in season two. Oh boy yeah we're coming down to the wire again aren't we yeah i uh this one is even co-written by kirsten byer yes i saw that uh-huh uh-huh and so like, that got me excited there because we both love kirsten's work kirsten like you saying kirsten kirsten's work on voyager and on discovery a uh, voyager relaunch excuse me Right. She did all the novels from 2009 to, gosh, did she release it last year or the year before? Like the very last one. I think it was last year, but I mean, time is such a weird thing anymore. Wibbly wobbly. I, I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 It might as well be wibbly wobbly. <laughs> <laughs> before we kick things off about talking about the episode, I guess I am talking about the episode with this line. I am so happy. I no longer have to hear about Rios's comm badge that was left at the clinic. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Right? The thread they left hanging that we knew would come back. Oh, every week. It's like, what are they doing with it? How did they forget it? I'm like, I don't think they forgot it. And we finally, finally called back to it. And it was such a (laughs) non-issue. It's such a non-issue. Fox Mulder was all over that. He's all over this case. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that's my biggest takeaway from this episode. It's no more combadge problem. Uh, At least that one. Um. Yeah. Many other problems yet to be resolved, though. Right, right. I like to ask Ken um, in like one word or just a few words, like one sentence without any context. Uh, how did you 
like what did you walk away feeling from this episode? It can be an emotion or a sentence, um, but don't elaborate. Otherwise, it ruins the question. Fair. Is a phrase okay? Yep. Yep. Okay. Spoke in the wheel. Spoke Meaning, in the wheel. It moves things along, but if I were to just pluck this episode out and watch it on its own, you really have to know what's going on beforehand and have some sort of idea of where it might be going to really appreciate it, I think. If you were to watch this sight unseen, it would it'd be really hard to follow. And so it does its job as a chapter of this 10-part story. However, it's... I don't know. It's a weird thing where I feel like, yes, it does have a beginning, middle, and end like every good story does. However, <laughs> it is so strung along with like these weird blurred edges, both on the beginning and the end, making me feel like, okay, I've got to watch next week to really understand what was going on here. Just like I had to watch last week to understand what was really going on here. Right. Uh, yeah. I kind of walked away. I walked away feeling like, all right, cool. Uh, yeah. Anticipation. Right. Like, can we keep going, please? <laughs> That's just, yeah. We have two episodes left. And are you concerned at all about, are we going to try and wrap this up too fast? You know, I don't think, what's count how many serious threads there are right now? Uh, so many. One, Queen Agnes. Two, we have Cristobal and Teresa. Yeah. And Ricardo. Uh, three, we have Picard Q. Mm-hmm. Four, we have, I suppose, Picard slash Talon slash... And whatever's going on with that, and she's not even in this episode. <laughs> blank. Why am I drawing a blank on like, my favorite character? Laris? Laris, thank you. So that's yeah, four. yeah, she's just really Laris. We could just call her Laris. Talon is like some undercover name. It's BS. <laughs> <laughs> and seven slash Rappy slash Elnor. Yes. So that's only five things, really. Well, we also have Dr. Soon. Oh, yeah, I have Dr. Soon. So six things. But uh, a lot of them are starting to merge. So now it's Queen Agnes and Soon. Finally. Yes. This needed to happen. And then Rappy seven. They finally got something to do this season. But um. <laughs> well, they get to play in 2024 again. Right. But you know what? They're doing a really good job of it. So, you know. They're having fun out there. So I think like we only have two episodes left to really get like five or six plot threads that are already starting to intertwine back together. So I'm not too scared of them, at least yet anyway, of them going quote unquote too fast. Okay, that's fair. I'm not feeling as alarmed about that. But this is the point in the season where I am historically concerned that it's just all going to be a massive blow up in our faces right up until the very, very end. And it'll try and wrap up way too fast with a pretty bow on top. And it won't be as satisfying as we hope it is. Now, the pacing of the rest of this season, though, that is what does give me hope is that it is going to be okay. It doesn't seem like it right now just because we have such precious few episodes left. But I'm going to hang on and I'm going to believe. And then when we see it, then, then we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I think it's going to be really quite action packed. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, we do have a lot to resolve here yet. Queen is going to attack the La Serena. Yeah, with uh, her soldiers. Soldier Borg. <laughs> Soldier Borg. Yeah, you know it's going to be interesting. What happens when you mix Borg with battery acid? <laughs> 
oh my god agnes just sitting there with the battery <laughs> or parts of the car like, oh. <laughs> i was hoping i was hoping we could just see her drinking the the battery fluid or something really crazy but i guess we do get the whole thing where she's running across the hoods of the cars you know typical stunt yeah, we saw that in the previews for the season. I'm like, why is Agnes dancing on cars in a beautiful red dress with huge combat boots? <laughs> and now we see why. <laughs> and it's not just to show off her legs. Oh, man, but those are good. But yes. <laughs> I mean, okay. Can we just admit that she looks really freaking good no matter whether she's eating battery acid or not? She's freaking right? amazing. Right. Really hot red lipstick. Make her sing. Mm-hmm. This is all good stuff. Allison Pill is just phenomenal. And the way like this season or this episode in particular, the way she plays the board queen. Oh man. Like you could tell like it is the board queen that she that the actress is emulating and compared to her normal Agnes character and it's just amazing. It really is. It's subtle and yet just enough for your average viewer to notice. I think that's just a great testament to how much she and the board queen any worship Am I saying that right? Okay. How much they work together and like, I guess behind the scenes, like those two work together a lot, obviously, but then really none of the other characters worked with Annie as the board queen outside of makeup because I had behind the scenes, Patrick Stewart was saying something in an interview about how she came up to him and he didn't even recognize her. He didn't know who (laughs) she was because she wasn't in the makeup. Oh, Wow. Wow. So she had quite a thing. And Allison's performance of the Queen actually reminded me a lot of early Seven on Voyager. Oh, really? You know, she's giving me Alice Krieger vibes. That so. too. Uh, I, went, <laughs> I meant more like the mannerisms of how she spoke and very direct. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just kind of, it all fits with the Borg thing of we speak very clearly. We enunciate all our words. Yes, we do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unlike me. <laughs> now nah, you're pretty good <laughs> thank you and i also love that wit that she has she's got some uh like like as the queen she's like your what is it, like your your satellites are inferior yeah they're just so slow yeah they're so slow adam's like what do you want faster satellites yeah God, dude <laughs> i just told you <laughs> it was good yeah now, that's toward the end of the episode. Do we want to dive into talking about that, or should we go back? Let's, and- let's backtrack. I got ahead because okay. I just love Queen Agnes. I, I ship them so hard, and if anyone understands, it's you. <laughs> totally, totally. I do. And that is, honestly, that is by far the most interesting thing about this season is those two and this battle of wills within Agnes's body. And you and I have talked many times without the mic about what we think is going to happen and what is happening and just yeah it's good stuff (laughs) and like the whole like brainwashing kind of subplot of like gaslighting each other oh my god like it is like i'm like i've read this stuff in plenty of fanfic you know (laughs) and things that are not quite rated for the show (laughs) maybe that's gonna come later in some sort of epilogue or something probably not but you never know it will in my fanfic later there you go. <laughs> but, but for real, though, that they do that dichotomy really well of just like that. And even Seven talks about that need to belong and that yeah. need to feel part. Like we're expanding on why people want to stay assimilated. Like even we're adding to Seven in Voyager, like send me back. 
right? She couldn't stand it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When we get to Seven and Rafi, we've got to talk in detail about that. I have so many thoughts. Uh, so let's back up to, we started in the interview room with person who is totally not the dude from Relativity, but is... But he totally is, but he's pretending to be Fox Mulder, only he's Fox Mulder without Scully. So... So yeah, of course it doesn't play off as well. It's not quite the same thing. Mm-mm. We could not do a whole spinoff show with just him. Right, right. Uh, I love how Guinan called him out immediately. <laughs> she's so good. We're in a file cabinet room and that camera's not hooked up. Yeah, she's very perceptive. She observes things and she listens. It's kind of what she does. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's been her character for decades and forever. For me, the less interesting things are like, oh, this reference, what's and what's, you know, like this. But here, see, we get to see the character having their. We get to see the, the basis, the like younger version of Guinan, and she still we kind of expand on that lore. So now if you kind of go back and watch Star Trek Next Gen, you can get more out of that character. Right? We totally do. Because this actress did her homework. She is so good as young Guinan. And the more that we get to see of young Guinan, gosh, the more that I... I don't think we're going to see a whole lot more of her in the rest of the series. Probably not. Like, maybe we even said goodbye to her this episode. But... Gosh, I love her. Could we get a short trek or something? Like, keep her working as young Guinan because this is so much fun. Please, like, maybe have, like, Avery Brooks as Cisco as Bell person. Oh, Gabriel Bell. Yeah, Gabriel Bell in a few months. He just wanders into 10 forward. It's a completely different city, but... Oh, maybe Guinan moves <laughs> 10 forward to San Francisco for... Francisco, or maybe uh-huh. she's just visiting San Francisco, looking for her friend Mark Twain. Who knows? She doesn't know about that yet, but... <laughs> Some short trek like that. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Short treks have not happened in quite a while, so I do hope that at some point they do make a comeback. Like, look, I understand they've been a little busy doing all these shows, and there was the whole COVID shutdown, and that slowed things up, but... Short treks, please. Not that I'm greedy. You know, I, I think I mentioned it to you before. I, maybe I mentioned on the show before. Like, So the whole curf- short treks I'm talking about here. Um, we get so much story in those 5 to 15 minute episodes. And I feel like this was almost CBS saying like, see, you can make compelling short form Star Trek stories fandom. Because like, remember yeah. how angry we were that Axanar ruined it for everybody? For real. You can no longer have these one hour long episodes except for unless you do a special deal like your Star Trek continues. Right. Yeah, they got special permission to finish up their show and then everybody else was kind of screwed. But like these short treks can be so good in such a short amount of time. And just we've only done one with Picard and I would love to have more. Sure. Yeah, there's so much room to do little stories with these things, little missing scenes, little excerpts, little bonuses that I wish they were just doing them around the clock all the time, but <laughs> I get it. It's also, it's a budgetary thing. It's time. It's it's all those things. I, I totally understand, but they are just so much fun. I'm so glad that we got them in the first place because, you know, in previous incarnations of Trek, we would not have gotten it. Oh, no, no. So yes, give us a guy in short Trek of her meeting someone else in the Star Trek universe. That would be really cool. Even if it's a uh, Mark Twain timeline. Maybe have her just hang out with Mark Twain for a bit. Oh, gosh. Would that not be fun? Right? It'd be like her. <laughs> Ma- Guinan and Mark Twain being the equivalent of the Q versus Spock audio books. 
Oh my good. Those two sparring would be kind of fun. You yeah. could also, I mean, speaking of Q, just Guinan and Q. Yes. Oh, get a Guinan and Q one. I want that to happen, yeah. And I don't know which would be better, young Guinan or older Guinan. <gasps> Have all three. Ooh. Have like each <laughs> one share their perspective on something. Ooh. Oh. I mean, but it's about Guinan, this love for Guinan and how she really, really connects with people. Yes. <laughs> Getting back on track. <laughs> I mean, okay, so this whole interrogation thing is, again, was it the most important thing in the world? No, but it served as that spoke in the wheel to get us connected to the next thing. Exactly. Uh, we got Q finally. He finally answered the summons. <laughs> and we found out what took him so long. Yeah, uh, he has completely lost his powers, apparently. Yeah, and he's dying, question mark? Yeah, uh, at least in his version of it, whatever he thinks dying means to him. For him, it might mean just stomach ache. I don't know, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he ate all that cake on La Serena. <laughs> Oh, man, like everyone seems to get sick off that cake. I think Agnes did last season, and now it's Ricardo. What is in that cake? I mean, it looks really good, but if it's going to upset you every time, it's not worth it. I mean, and Ricardo even had like alternate universe cake. Who knows yeah. what's in that? Oh, um, we don't want to know. <laughs> but yeah, we finally got Q. He says he's dying. That is the answer here. I was going to watch those early episodes again. Because, like, that's something, like, I failed to do a lot of times is, like, I don't remember half the things I said in early episodes of the podcast. And then I don't remember what was said in the early episodes because it's been weeks. Yes. <laughs> I wish I had the drive to go back and see if I predicted that he was dying. I think we talked about that. But I've also talked with other folks about Picard over time. And maybe it was somebody else. But I think that is kind of, like, the general theory that everybody had is something is so wrong with him. He must be dying, but how and why? And how does this tie into Picard? And that last question is something I have not figured out. Do you have any theories? About which, like which part in particular? Like what is Q doing with all of this? Like, Why is he coming to Picard as he's dying, what is the end game here? Uh, you got anything? I got nothing. So, like, this whole time, like, especially watching the beginning, I remember what I did rewatch those a few weeks ago. And if Q has really hampered on Picard is doing this to himself. Yes. Like, Q has maybe, like, flashed a little bit here and there. But, uh, but this sounds like Picard is doing this to himself. And he knows it. If you watch those first few episodes, he knows why Q is doing that with this with him. But Picard is feigning that he, you know, like, oh, I know, I know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't want to get into it. Right. And, okay, so then there's this fantastic quote in the episode. It's about the escape, not the trap. Is Q trying to save Picard in some way, nudge him in a certain direction? I think he is. Like, I, I kind of, like, I don't think this is the right word, but I suggested in the past that Q is trying to get Picard to either it doesn't always have to be you saving the galaxy. Which is a fair point because he's done that plenty of times. Right? He takes all these challenges onto himself and, you know, takes all these burdens of others onto himself. But he never allows himself to breathe, to live. Uh, I mean, how many how much the crew had to force him to go to uh, Ryza to, to take Charlie? They had to force him. <laughs> and even there, he still found adventure. He still didn't take a break. Right. And that girlfriend even went off to run off with Q. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I really messed up there. 
right? But uh, he never takes time for himself. And even with Laris at the beginning, he was so close to kissing her sharp. So close. I was, I don't ship hetero people very often. You know this. And yes. I was like, Laris, please. And if you ship them, this is a big deal. Right? They're, that means they belong together. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jean-Luc needs to be okay because he's going to die soon relatively with the galaxy is going to be okay without him right find some sort of peace where maybe he can enjoy what is left of his life however long and live for himself you know the whole thing of being stuck in the past of course it's a very big statement in this episode and it not just applies to our FBI agent here, Agent Wells, but also to Picard very much. And how do you become unstuck? Because this season is all about trauma and how do you recover from that? And how does that shape the course of your life? Blah, la, 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 la. And we saw like last week, we saw a little bit of JL starting to work through his own personal inner demons, his trauma, his monsters, um, by realizing that his dad wasn't, the monster that his mind had made him to be when he was little. Yeah, not quite exactly as he had perceived. Yeah. I did enjoy that twist, by the way. Right? Um, but even yeah. in that episode, they had the flashbacks to Locutus, uh, flashbacks to Four Lights, the flashback to yeah. uh, the third episode, Escapes my But, but um, he's taking these burdens on himself all this time, or he's remembering these things that really shook him. Yeah. He's got to move on. And I think that, like, even last season, first season, how much he just saw, basically even said himself, he's sitting around his chateau waiting to die. Yeah, that's not, that's existing. That's not living. Right. And now this season, we saw, like, getting out there doing more. He's now the commandant of Starfleet Academy or whatever the exact title was. Um, <laughs> but he's still out there trying to be a major part of Starfleet. Right. Instead of taking time for himself and just enjoying life and enjoying time with Laris. Yeah. It's what he thrives off of. He does. And it keeps him moving. But he doesn't allow himself to love. He had The only time he really has loved someone was um, or had a crush on someone was a girl that ran off with Q. I'm drawing a blank on her name. Vosh. Vosh, yes. Uh, Anaj in... Uh, Oh, Anish. Insurrection. In, Anish. Yeah. She was beautiful, too. She absolutely was, and we never, f that, like, went absolutely nowhere. He promised that he had a lot of shore leave, and I don't know. And now Laris. And really, of those three, by far and away, Laris is the winner. I feel like the only other person maybe who could compete, maybe, is at one point Beverly Crusher. Oh, yeah, and Beverly. Whatever happened there? Yeah, maybe we find out next season. Maybe. Uh, I mean, she ran off with a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she already did that. Oh, right, right, right. She did it and did it. But but maybe maybe she and the ghost have continued to be special friends. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag ghost sex. Uh, so the trap is immaterial. So it doesn't matter that they're here in the 24th, 21st century. It's the escape that counts. So it's what they do with it. It's how it all shakes out that determines whether they go back to their future proper or this confederation hellhole. Yeah, fascinating. I don't really know where that's going to go because their Star Trek new writers are very good at holding their cards close to close to the chest. Till the very freaking end when we can't take it anymore. And they intentionally try not to give too many clues. Yeah, they give you just enough to string you along and make you ask questions. And that's just about it. 
they give me nothing to go on to speculate on. Well, you know what's interesting is some stuff seems fairly obvious, things that you could predict far out and they end up being actually true, like to the point where maybe you could second guess yourself out of it, like the fact that Q is dying. Mm -hmm. I I heard people saying that like in episode two, like, oh, Q is messed up. He must be dying. And Uh lo and behold, we're at episode eight now and here it is. And so now what I'm wondering, though, as we approach the end of the series, I I think our big question mark, our wild card is Dr. Soong. Because in this episode, to me, he becomes a little too much mustache twirling villain. Right? Yeah, he just, he really collapsed into an archetype. So he's got to redeem himself now. If he's even redeemable. That's just it. So here's the big thing he would have to sacrifice, right? Is the fact that he knows in at least one of the versions of the future, he becomes a revered figure. He saves Earth. And even if it is this hell place, he's a big part of its uh, success. (laughs) So does he sacrifice that? Is that enough to redeem him knowing that he is going to probably pay that forward to a different, better future. And I'm wondering, he saw just a a taste of what the Borg Queen intends to do. Was that enough for him to possibly turn on her in the next two episodes? He did seem a little shocked, but I don't know. He's done a lot of terrible things too, so... Yeah. Like, Brent Spiner's doing a great job with Adam Soong, but I don't know if I care about Adam Soong. Kind of like... I mean, at various moments, like, okay, this is an interesting character. You are acting the hell out of this character. But I don't know if I really care. Right. Yeah, I don't know if I've reached that point yet either. Now, like, give me, like, the real reason why this matters to the Soong lineage, mm-hmm. I guess, is the missing piece we need. Kind of like Tarka in Disco Season 4. They kind of made me actually, like, okay, I feel for this guy when he has his flashback. But beyond then... Uh, they kind of turned it into, he's the mustache twirling guy. Right. And I didn't really care. And he ultimately got what he wanted and it was anticlimactic and not at all satisfying. Yeah. Uh, or even, uh, season three disco, uh, Orion gal. Oh yeah. The villain. Villain. Yeah. I didn't care. I cared even less about her than I do Tarka and Soong. Yeah. Same. She was way stereotypical villain, unfortunately. Like, yeah. I wonder if. Modern Tractors doesn't have that antagonist thing I really care about. I don't know. They need to work on their their villains. Like I think they get like about half baked ideas for their villains' uh, motivation. And the thing is, is like they have a motivation, but it's only so sympathetic. You know, like think about the Vidians on Voyager. Those guys did terrible things. They killed people for organs so that they could live another who knows, maybe like two, three weeks. And then they have to do it again and again and again just to keep themselves going because the phage is destroying them bit by bit. At the same time, you feel for them because they're they're being threatened. Their, their very lives, their very species could just go out if they don't fight it. And they're doing what they can. And they've resorted to these means because they don't know what else to do. That's what made them dangerous, good villains. Yeah, yeah. There's just not a sharp edge like that for a lot of the villains in the newer Treks so far. Vidians were only in nine episodes total, mentioned even. They weren't even the main focus of all those nine episodes and how much you feel for them. And here, like, I feel like they're not giving me enough attention for the bad guy to make me care. Yeah. Uh, Let it simmer for a bit. Let me me see why Adam Soong wants this so bad. Like, I kind of get the idea he wants a legacy. 
but why? Yeah, but is that all there is to? Yes, I need to know his why. What is Corey exactly? And what was his goal with this, you know, quote unquote research? Like, we know how it shakes out in the alternate future, but what is his reason in 2024 and beforehand? What was he really trying to do and go with it? Like, just does it begin and end with her? I, I don't know if I understand that yet. Right. And so, like, assuming, like, no intervention. So, like, assuming, like, Star Trek season two hasn't happened. So that means Adam Soong always was back there. And uh, Corey never lived on. Like, or we maybe these events always happen because time is weird. And I swore I'd never get into one of these time paradoxes. Um <laughs> <laughs> Does it give you headaches? Yeah, it does. It does. I can use some coffee too. too. <laughs> uh, I get you. You get me. I uh, appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was kind of going somewhere with that, but I'm going to drop it because like, yeah, I just don't know why Adam is Adam. Yeah, that's the missing piece, I think, is how does this pertain to anything else we know about the Soongs? which is basically like this incestuous family who's dramatically involved in things like maybe genetic engineering and then positronics, blah, blah, blah. They're trying to make better human-esque versions. Uh, I don't know. It's getting a little muddled here just because we do not know Adam Sung's motivation. End of story. Yeah. And we're eight episodes in and we don't really know other than he wants a legacy. Let's just, that's just be villain. That's so shallow. Uh-huh. So I hope there's something deeper and I hope there's something more we get in these next two episodes. Like Yeah. That actually worries me, come to think about it, just because Corey really laid down her line in this episode and said, Maybe you need me more than I need you. And she's absolutely right. I oh, think yeah. his whole life is her. And yet <laughs> there's a part of me that just calls BS on this whole storyline. Like she never once looked into her dad's computer to right? come on. Every kid, every kid is going to snoop around a little bit. And like, she was so oblivious for how many years about everything. And then she pokes around and then figures it out and learns the truth. Like I have a hard time buying it. Yeah. Okay. So, if she had this effect on him, she is going to appear in his last two episodes in a moment of need, like, Dad, or you're still my number one dad, or <laughs> uh, maybe not quite that level. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's going to be a little rascal and come in there and say that. Oh, my God. 12-year-old Isa Brion's <laughs> going to pop up. Daddy. Oh, speaking of, I finally found out who played uh, Seven's uh, fake husband in the Confederate timeline. Oh, yo, you just figured that out? John, John Briones. I just found that out today in Ritty Room. I had oh no idea God. that was, um, that is um, her, or Issa's dad. That's her dad, yeah. Uh-huh. Isn't that cool? Uh, was it John John? Right, John John. John John. <laughs> kind of like Little John, only two. Uh, John squared. Uh, John two. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, he is a huge Chucky. He loved that his daughter was in this, and they got him on to be uh alternate husband <laughs> who got vaporized. Yes, rightfully so. <laughs> but but yeah, she's. Uh, I think that means that Corey's going to have this thing like, Dad, how could you do this? Something, something along those lines. Maybe not those words. 
in the next two episodes when the penultimate moment or the huge moment when he's got to make a decision, his daughter or destiny. And he finally, yeah. he's finally going to show her, no, you are more than just a legacy to me. It's got to be something like that, right? He's got to prove himself to her, and then he's got to... I have a feeling he will be a very pivotal part of setting the future right, because he has the capability, number one. Uh, yeah. Just otherwise, how does he redeem himself? Or does he? Because if he doesn't at all, then he's just a stupid villain, and that just stinks. I mean, we, you did mention that uh, he had that reaction to seeing the assimilation happen. as like, oh, right. dear. Kind of thing. Like, oh God, what? Who have I invited to the house here? <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be. Uh, that's probably going to be the first line of him going. Uh oh. I hope that set off some alarm bells, and then maybe he starts actually like rethinking because Agnes slash Borg Queen says she ha- she needs the raw ingredients that he has. Now, is that some sort of genetic thing that he's got going, or is it the soldiers? That is a good question because. I guess he had the connections to make it easier to go back to La Serena. Sure. I guess. Yeah. Not knowing for sure what's going to happen. It's like that could go, that could be interpreted in so many ways. Yeah. I guess we'll see next week. Yeah. <laughs> I did get it. Uh, well, hmm. I both loved and hated the VRQ. <laughs> yeah. I hated the whole like computer turn this 2D image into a 3D image and all of a sudden like okay that was the part I hated the Q is there whatever Q can do anything he didn't even need a VR headset for that he could have no. done anything but uh so that part I didn't mind but it just her, her like extrapolate this into 3D then he's walking around uh as like uh it maybe had flashbacks to like old like RPGs in the computer of like this <laughs> this uh you're we watching a video file of they try to do full motion video in those old games and they're talking to her equals and then it has a, you know, continues on. Anyway, <laughs> so virtual cue. Oh, I noticed that she had Moby Dick, uh, the book on the table. Oh, did she? Oh, good catch. I saw that in a second viewing. So that's one of Picard's favorite books. I think it's even one of um, Patrick Stewart's favorite books. And he's even played a Captain Ahab before. Yes, I believe so. That probably has some kind of meaning about finding their whales. She also had a bunch of pictures of locations from around the world on her table. She wants to go out and see the world. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, she even had one of my favorite places in the world, the Griffith Observatory. And that whole moment, she takes her shoes off and goes just to feel the grass on her toes. Like, that's a classic like cinema thing. Yeah, that's good stuff. But yeah, you get to feel the outside world. Like She, she, felt, she felt that connection to the world in the swimming pool. And here she's got it in the grass and she, she can see the world and... Yeah. Makes you wonder, where does she... I mean, she wants to go everywhere, obviously, but where's the first place? <laughs> I mean, of all her pictures, I think the observatory was the closest one. Probably. And then she can go hear Leonard Nimoy's voice. Yeah. In the theater. Absolutely. Yes. We're doing a plug for Griffith Observatory, but rightfully so, because it is a very cool place. But yes, I think Corey is going to be what helps turn adam to not do the full plan of evil evil twist twist it's got to be like that's his like that that's the big weakness he has right is her she is everything to him so yeah i do think she is the key to that that's how she'll play that part that might be how he plays his part is setting things right despite whatever he loses 
I do, I uh, jumping. I want to jump ahead to the next thing, but I also remember I have one note from the interview room, and I completely forgot to mention it. Was that Wells here? Who was uh, so many references to the episode Relativity because um, <laughs> it's the same actor. Yes, he gets what every Trekkie wants or would love. A universe where Captain Picard or Admiral Picard comes back in time and asks you to help save the galaxy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just like everyone would love to have uh, the doctor appear in their backyard. Certainly. And run off. Yeah. I guess I did have one more other thought about the whole interrogation room. I was ready for whatever authority figure type thing, US, the Earth, whatever, to have their own unit style thing from Doctor Who with all the times that the future you know people have come and meddled with the affairs of the past from Kirk to Janeway to Picard to Cisco right and even Archer they've all come back to various times within strangely the same eras that we watched the show on but um <laughs> uh, weirdly hmm but like I could totally see like the FBI or CIA or some unit type force from Doctor Who to have been the ones that captured Guyton and Picard. That is fully what I was expecting in the last episode, by the way, was that this guy was going to be a time cop from the 29th century, like working for Captain Braxton or something. And it's like, guys, you already effed this up so hard. You don't even know the damage control we have to do here. But then I guess that's an intervention that would just be intrusive at this point. So I understand why they didn't go there, but that was definitely my first thought. Right. Uh, that was, that was one of my thoughts as well. And I also thought maybe it was like, Oh, maybe this is one of the people that watches the watchers that Picard had mentioned. Right. That too. And yet, no, I guess that's just Talon slash Laris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wells is just a guy who had a thing or had a run in with Vulcans when he was little. I guess it wasn't the carbon Creek people. No, but it does make you wonder how what like well, how often are Vulcans just hanging out on Earth? How often does this sort of thing happen? And we just don't know because the brain wipe actually succeeds. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Like I kind of want to go like, I don't know, like Lake Tahoe, Tahoe or something and then see if there's Vulcans hanging out. Right? I mean, I, I mean you wouldn't remember it, so. <laughs> That's just it. Damn it, Vulcans. <laughs> I don't think they're going to call back to it anymore. Probably not. It seems like a pretty open and shut story, doesn't it? Yeah. But if they do, they had a weird hexagon or pentagon type thing. I think it was a pentagon uh, type device underwater. Let's see. So we talked about Corey and Adam. We talked about Q and his feeling emptiness and his fear. We talked about the interview room. Teresa and Cristobal. Do you ship them? Another head of ship I have. They are so <laughs> damn cute. But that's just it. They are so damn cute. They are oh. meant to be together. Now, do you have predictions as to whether or not we have a Jillian Taylor situation here where she's going to come into the future with him, with her son, Ricardo? Or is he going to stay behind and live in the 21st century? Because he seems to be digging on that. I think unless something major happens where they need to go bring her them to the future, I think they're going to stay because she's going to stay for Ricardo. That makes enough sense. He's got a life here, too. Yeah, and like they can be a family. And I almost wonder if there's going to be some weird back to the future paradox thing. Like he's like Rios is his own ancestor in some weird incestuous way. I'm my own grandpa. <laughs> I can't shake that thought. I think that might be something that ultimately he figures out and is like, I have to stay. Oh, darn. Bye, guys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, th I think Cristobal is going to go back to the future. 
You think? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I think Teresa's going to stay unless something happens. Um, but she knows so much. So will she stay quiet? And will a nine-year-old kid stay quiet? Who's going to believe them? Wells. <laughs> but what's he going to be able to do about it at this point? Maybe those three will get together. Yeah. But anyway, Teresa and Cristobal, and that moment where she was setting up that scene to get get Cristobal to say more. Oh my gosh. Setting up this whole scene of like, we are stuck at a hotel and we are stranded and you are going to tell me something that you have not told me in 10 years. Oh, God. Dude, where did she come up with this? That is so goddamn sexy. It was sexy and beautiful and oh. Yeah, like, wow. Oh, I'm just like, I'm getting like... I'm getting the vapors thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes you wonder like, okay, how do you answer that question if your partner ever asks you that? I know, right? Like, what would I say? Like, <laughs> you got to have an answer. <laughs> and he had one apparently, but of course we don't get it right now. So we got to wait. <sighs> we got the interruption, but here's what to say. Like that moment I first saw you and I fell in love. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. These two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just dang. Yes. Go forth and make many babies. You are adorable. I could listen to her talk to him all day long. Her yeah. <laughs> Do you get the Rain Robinson vibes? Uh, in what way? Just of that character, Teresa Ramirez. Oh, gosh. I hadn't thought about that. Um, she reminds me so much of like, not just the Rain Robinson type, but just even in her her mannerisms a little bit. Uh, oh, I could see that. And so she starts calling him a freakosaurus. <laughs> that's gonna be her best friend is rain robinson at griffith <laughs> yes that'd be so cool i would love to see a sarah silverman cameo before the season is up could we please just just one second uh, other than like that moment with Teresa and christopher oh, i don't think they really advanced much there no they really didn't they're just hanging out on the ship so i'm wondering like what is the real end game here like i'm one i was waiting almost for like some sort of jeopardy where somebody gets hurt or they're in a situation where uh, like escaping is not possible i just something something yeah yeah and i guess that is the transporter problem right now but that is inconsequential to her and her son Right, at least at the moment. Uh, when yeah. Maybe when Queen Agnes comes, it'll be a bigger deal because they'll be in jeopardy and Cristobal has to do something. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we'll get to see the holograms if, they're, if they exist in this world. Oh, now would that not be – would that just not trip her out? Oh, my, oh gosh. my God. <laughs> How many of you are there? <laughs> I keep thinking when I see like Rios on this version of La Serena, like – they're going to go digging around and seeing some evil version, evil counterpart have been doing. Oh, no, that would be terrible. Right? Because like, this isn't his ship. No, it's not. Hmm. Yeah, we, I don't know, like the way the kid is playing on the control panels, that could happen. Yeah, so I don't think they're going to play that route since we're running so, so short on time. Probably not. They never have this question of like, Where's the thing? In my universe, the gizmo is always here. Why isn't it here? We never had any of that, so I don't think that's really a part for the story here. Yeah, probably not. Or you think they would have established that earlier. Yeah, yeah. But who knows? So we only have one more really main topic to talk about left, and that is Raffi and Seven. 
Okay, let's talk about this because I think I'm as excited about this as you are. I love this relationship. I love them so, so much. And finally, the lesbians talk. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Okay, like prior to this episode, I was saying to everybody that I was talking to about Picard, like, I love their old married couple energy. I'm here for it. I want this. Yes, yes, yes. But then this episode shows just how much, like how young their relationship is and how much they are growing together in this moment where they're talking things through. There are some issues they've got to continue working through. And damn, if it's not refreshing. Right. Wow. It's so good. Yeah. They've like, they both have things that they've got like hot points. They're pressing each other's buttons a little bit here. And it's just like so much. Oh, guys, yeah, when this is over, please keep having these heart-to-hearts because they, they they remind me of like a young couple that is – they have a solid foundation. They are going to continue growing together, and that's how they're going to succeed. They, they're going to be all right, but they do have some bumps that they need to work through, obviously. Right. A quick point of order. I did call them lesbians here, but they're clearly queer in some way. I'll I'll explain why I called them lesbians specifically in a little bit. But uh, even last week, we saw them like uh, Rafi says, like, we're the main stars. Like, we are the main thing here. (laughs) That's right. This week, we see Rafi has this flashback to her talking to Elnor while doing the lesson on deflector shield maintenance. Yeah, yawn. (laughs) Elnor uh, Elnor calls her out. Uh, and something he's like, it's a little weird that you're fixing these shields so Seven will go, but you don't want her to go. Right. Absolute candor for the win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and she's kind of like, yeah, yeah. Uh, having her struggles there. And then here, when they're in LA, her doing like, do your Borg thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to Borg it up, Seven. Let's go. And that's obviously a hot point for her because of all the... Go oh, gosh, where do you even start with the emotional trauma that causes? Like she gets into a lot of elements of it here, like just how even the nanoprobes smelled and tasted and just, uh, you know, how absent things are when you're removed from the collective. And like Jerry Ryan, man, this season is really killing it as far as portraying this version of Seven that has been traumatized by the Borg acknowledges that trauma and acts accordingly. Like just in the same way that Picard has like his course of life has been shaped by his trauma. So has she. And now it's intersecting with Rafi who is also as acknowledged in this episode, manipulative. And as a former addict, that is a common tactic that you use as an addict to keep being addicted. And it makes perfect sense that these things are clashing. It's just, it's really well thought out and good. Yeah. Oh, Michelle, her is so good too. Like uh, Seven just yells at Raffi, calls her manipulative, is about to lay into her. And then Seven's like, oh, cell phone. And um, <laughs> and then that yes. face on like Seven's like, can you do something with this? And Michelle heard Raffi, that whole like, I could feel that realism of her. Like she just got yelled at but I have a thing to do. And she's just like kind of fumbling. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that. And the way she just played that scene. So good. Oh, yes. Yeah. The two of these characters, these actors and these characters together, man. Yeah. That is a one, two punch. They're just amazing. They're so good. 
They've got the chemistry. Yeah. So good together. I just want a show with these two. Right? Uh, We got the audiobook. I still have to listen to it. Me too. (laughs) It's on my list. No Man's Land. Need to do it now. And here we actually do get Raffi finally admits that uh, she's taking the blame for Eleanor's death on herself because she convinced, she thinks, anyway, she convinced him to stay. Right. Yeah. Now, do you think this piece is a little too late? Um, you know what? In retrospect, I maybe would have, if you would have asked me that like a week or two ago, I would have thought, yes, kind of like weird late. But you know what? They haven't really had much time to sit down and talk. That's true. And so I don't think it is. It does kind of feel like fitting. They finally are doing that talking. Maybe they should have done it sooner, but like Raffi still had to work through her things herself before she could talk to others. That's a really good point. She had to process it first. So, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And the span of time here really can't be that long. It's a matter of days, don't you think? Hours, days. It's, yeah, not much time there. Yeah. And so, you know, I honestly think that Picard would do better as a all-at-once show and not a weekly show. I agree. I mean, this show is so binge-worthy. You could take a whole day, go through the whole season, and probably get more out of it than you do watching it week to week. I mean, it's yeah. kind of fun watching it week to week right. just because we know we have more to look forward to, but to see the story like in its entirety within a short span, going back and doing that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to talk a little bit about Ready Room, but is there anything you want to bring up, mention that I might have uh, glossed over or sped past? Golly, no, I think we covered quite a bit of it oh except maybe okay one thing about Guinan her new-ish ability at least the first time we've seen this to push thoughts Mm -hmm. uh, to a target like I I forget exactly how that's described in reviews but they've got a really good concise two-word thing for it like that does not bother me that Guinan has like this newfound power like it's just it's showing a different facet of the character we don't know everything about her Mm -hmm. so People who are complaining on the internet about that, uh, shut up. <laughs> Seriously, like, clearly she didn't need it on in any of the episodes we saw. Yeah, so, but she needed it here, and it obviously came at great strain because she did the same thing that Eleven from Stranger Things does when she summons her powers, and she has the nosebleed down one nostril, and <laughs> maybe that's my only complaint is it's too reminiscent of Stranger Things. That's it. Of, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like... Just because we haven't seen it before doesn't mean it's something she hasn't always had and just didn't call up on. Exactly. Sort of like summoning the cue with the beverage. Why does she have it? Who the hell knows? We don't have to know that right now for the context of the story. Just everybody settle down, please. Exactly. The nitpicking is one of my least favorite things. Yeah. To a certain extent, you know? Like, some things like, okay, cool. I mean, continuity and all that. But, like, just because she didn't do it before doesn't mean she always didn't didn't always have it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek internet is sometimes the best thing in the world and also the worst. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that comes for a lot of fandoms. Uh. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so that's like all the mercy talk uh, on Ready Room this week. They had Jerry, Ryan, and Santiago on. And they talked a little bit about one of my least favorite things about modern Trek shows is the holographic interface. Oh, uh-huh. 
hands waving in the air. Uh, Will Wheaton, I mentioned something about, you know, like the holograms and Jerry Ryan's like, you want to talk about how awkward it is? <laughs> you know, I bet. That's exactly what I say. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard, but that's what I say. It's like, it's got to feel so weird for the actors. Just wave your hands in the air and whatnot. And here she's like, yes. And Santiago said he was told was to imagine like on his side that there is an iPad there. He's like, yeah, I could, I can do that. Hey, that's a good frame of reference. He was the one who asked to be able to do that whole hand, um, like claw thing to pilot the ship. Oh, uh-huh. Okay. And they're like, yeah, that's cool. Go for it. That's where that came from. Cool. Apparently it is weird for the actors, just like I always imagined. I don't need to harp on that for the 8 millionth time. <laughs> oh, man. It's got to be weird being on a sci-fi series these days. Like all the touch control panels, all the blue screens and green screens and whatever screens that they've got anymore. Give me the tactile buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Switches. There you go. Other thing is why I call them lesbians here when they're actually more like queer because they clearly had other relationships with Chicote Barf. Yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about that. <clears throat> barf, barf, barf. Uh, that didn't really happen. That just helped her figure things shit, like all that out. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, Will Wheaton asked, I've heard this rumor. Uh, you can tell me if it's true. That it was kind of like your idea. And Jerry's like, yeah. Jerry said, like, the relationship of Seven and Rafi wasn't planned. At an after party for season one, they took a picture and they showed the picture uh-huh. of Jerry... And Michelle standing really close and like affectionately. And Jerry joked, now there's the hottest lesbian couple. <laughs> she wasn't wrong. No. And someone from production was like, oh my God, ran off. They came back and saying like production's like, we, we felt something was missing. This is perfect. And so they turned them into a couple because of that little picture and little offhand comment. Yay. Perfect. Perfect. It is. All to think that that came from just like the smallest little semblance of what could be and then they actually made it real yeah yeah and so i don't know how that played out with them doing the hold hand scene at the end of picard maybe they did a reshoot maybe they always were i don't know right like it doesn't have to be indicative of a relationship if they filmed it that way like just like hey like i, I feel you man you know and just you know that sort of thing but yeah i love the direction that they've taken this whole thing they are perfect for each other yes they are I just want to kiss. Please kiss. Just kiss. kiss just kiss. Just kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and work through more trauma. I want more hurt comfort, please. <laughs> I know my next, next, next story I'm going to be right. <laughs> I can't wait to read it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining me, Shar. Thanks for having me. Oh my God, this is fun. Uh, we actually turned our cams on so we can actually see each other talking. Uh, yeah. This is also a hangout for us because we haven't gotten to do that for a while. Yes, this is the first time in years we've actually seen each other, like, yeah. you know, quote unquote in person, as close as we can get, yeah. Since the before times when I would come down for BlizzCon. Yeah, that was the last time. Wow, oof da. For <laughs> real though. Yeah, that seems like eons, lifetimes ago. It was, it was. Uh, so here we are. Uh, we usually talk in text. We got to see each other in video. And I uh, got to talk about a, a good uh, Spoke in the Wheel episode. Yeah. I mean, we're just, we're keeping the wheel turning. Next episode, obviously, is probably going to amp up the action and the adventure, and then we'll blow it all up in the epic conclusion. Right. More car batteries, more everything. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever else Borg need to assimilate. We'll find out, I guess. Now that I've done the Minnesota goodbye of 18 goodbyes. (laughs) Thank you all for listening to Transporter Lock this week. Ken will be back, I'm sure, next week. 
Uh, he's got a new headset. He can't wait to try it out. Uh, thank you again, Shar. Thank you. And uh, I don't have a sign off prepared today, so goodbye. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com.